Hello and welcome. You are listening to Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resilience of field workers. From experts in member care to frontline field workers, our guests will bring you their experience, their lessons learned, and always something practical you can take away and use to increase your resiliency in cross-cultural life and ministry. Co-hosts Silas West and Steve Finley are just one part of an ever-growing and strengthening net of member care in the Antioch movement. They want to see Matthew 24, 14 happen and do everything they can to help field workers have the kind of resilience that enables them to make it for the long haul. Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of Resiliency. We're so thankful today to have with us our guest, Rachel Keener. And Rachel is from Los Angeles, California. She is a psychologist there at a university. And she's also a member of one of the Antioch Movement churches called Epicenter. And Rachel, welcome to Resiliency. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Wow. I mean, it's exciting. You know, you were one of the first people that we asked. We, we did a trial run of Resiliency with a number of people just to say, hey, people, here's an idea that we have. And here's uh, Silas and I doing our initial um, introductory episode. And we asked you guys for some feedback. And when we did that, it was actually your sister, Carol, who informed us that you have quite a background in resiliency training in different areas, including both with the U.S. Army and the U.S. Air Force. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you and also about that? Sure. Well, as you already said, I work at a university counseling center. Mm -hmm. And one of the perks of that is that we do get to take a sabbatical. And so in 2014, I was due for my sabbatical and I had to figure out something I was gonna study during that time, and I had gone through a personal tragedy in 2011. And so I was dismayed that my own resiliency wasn't what I wanted it to be. And so I decided I was gonna study resiliency during that time. And so as I was preparing to go on sabbatical, uh, my brother is in the US Army, and he had access to get me in for their master resiliency training program. And so right before I left for sabbatical, we had an event at the university for our veterans. And I happened to have a conversation with a US um, Air Force chaplain who was so excited that I was gonna be studying resiliency and he wanted me to come on board with the Air Force to increase their resiliency because uh, with all of the armed forces, there's been such an increase in suicides. Mm -hmm. And so he got me to onboard with them and I was volunteering with them from 2014 until 2017. Wow, Rachel, you spent uh, a sabbatical season just learning about diving into this topic of resiliency. I think you gained some some, uh, expertise probably in your studies, but then you gained experience with these military branches. So why don't you just tell us about it? What did you learn about this topic of resiliency? Well, I learned a whole lot, but today (laughs) I'm really just gonna focus on the topic of exercise. Okay, There's many different aspects of resiliency. And first of all, I just wanna recognize that everyone already knows that we need to exercise. Mm -hmm. That's uh, very much out there. Not all of us do it though. No, but I heard that Silas just joined the Y here in Waco, so that's exciting. (laughs) Susan told me. That's yes. very exciting. Yes. That's wonderful news. I joined so that my wife could go and exercise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Back on topic, Rachel. Tell us about it. 
Okay, well, as I said, everyone knows that we need to exercise. It even goes back to 400 BC. Hippocrates said, eating alone will not keep a man well. He must also exercise. But I, I know that just like you said, we need encouragement to do the things that we already know to do. And so today I wanna share with you some uh, research regarding why exercise is such a helpful thing to do. And some of you already, you have a great exercise program and this is just to encourage you to continue. And for others of you, this may help you to kick it up a notch. To do that, I'm gonna share with you some of the behind the scenes science of why exercise is so amazing for the body and the brain. In fact, I will say that it is the best medicine that God has given us mm. if we will only do it. Yeah. So first of all, a little science lesson on telomeres. So telomeres are the DNA protein structure caps that surround each of the chromosomes and protect the chromosomes. It's kind of like the plastic around your shoelace so that it doesn't unfray and unravel. So the, this is vital for protecting the information of the chromosome. And a small part of that telomeric DNA is lost each time there's a cell division. And as we age, our telomeres become shorter and shorter and the rate of telomere shortening appears to indicate our rate of aging. So shorter telomeres leave us more vulnerable to disease, cancer, mm. and all the effects of aging, including premature death. So what kinds of things increase telomere shortening? So those things would be smoking, lack of physical activity, obesity, stress, pollution, having a poor diet or excess drinking, any of those things will accelerate the rate at which your telomeres shrink. Mm. Would just like negativity in general become some of those kind of things? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Negative thinking even, mm -hmm. yeah. Well. So what kinds of factors slow the rate of telomere shortening, mm -hmm. disease risk, and the pace of aging? So those things would be dietary restriction, not eating so much, uh, having a good healthy diet, and regular exercise. So exercise literally slows aging at the cellular level. So Silas, you have talked about how our people who live cross-culturally experience six to 10 times the rates of stress mm -hmm. of the average American in their first years on the field. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, we have at our disposal a free resource exercise that can drastically buffer the ill effects of, of stress. I just paid for a gym membership, it's not free. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk more about that later. Okay, so the buffering effects of exercise for telomeres has been demonstrated to happen in even just one exercise session. So in one study, they took muscle and blood samples from 10 healthy adults, and after a 45-minute ride on a stationary bike, they showed that there was a molecule that was released that would help protect the telomeres and ultimately slow how quickly they were shortened over time. Just one exercise. Hmm. So this get is- Get on my bike, this <laughs> Get on your bike, exactly. Right. Uh, this is not vanity in, sh in slowing down wrinkles and gray hair, although that can happen too. Mm -hmm. um, this is actually slowing the rate at which people are vulnerable to disease and cancer. Mm -hmm. So many studies have already shown that people with low levels of physical activity are at higher risk for many different kinds of cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's disease, and early death by any cause. And telomeres tell the story of why. So I wanna tell you about a fascinating rodent study. Rodent. Rodent study, okay. yes. So we're talking about mice here. Gotcha. 
Okay, so Dr. Mark Tarnopolsky, he's a genetic metabolic neurologist. So in 2011, he and his team studied mice with a terrible genetic disease that caused them to age prematurely. So over the course of five months, half of the mice were sedentary. They were kicking it in the cage. The other half were coaxed to run three times a week on a miniature treadmill. I don't mm. know how they coaxed them to run, but they how did. How did they get the little miniature treadmill? That's awesome. I'm picturing cheese being involved somewhere here. Yeah. Okay. Probably. <laughs> By the end of the study, the sedentary mice were barely hanging on. These were the ones that didn't exercise. Mm. Their fur was getting ready to fall off. It was coarse, it was gray, their muscles were shriveled, their hearts were weak, they had thin skin, even their hearing was worse. Mm. They oh, were no. shivering Is in this the my corner. Dog Sadie? Okay, oh, carry no. on. <laughs> they were shivering in the corner about to die. But the group group of mice that exercised genetically compromised though they were were nearly indistinguishable from healthy mice. They had sleek coats, uh, they ran around their cages, they could even reproduce three times a week. That's all they exercised on the treadmill. Hmm. Um, they were able to completely prevent the premature aging in the animals. Fascinating. Wow. Wow. So Tarnopolsky has seen something similar with his ill people patients. He said that in the past 25 years, he has seen that by far the best treatment that people with genetic diseases like muscular dystrophy can do is engage in exercise. He's seen far better results with exercise than with gene therapy. He's even so bold to say the most effective therapy available to my patients right now is exercise. Mm. It's incredible. Mm. Wow. And, and this is true not just in cases of rodents or those with genetic disorders. Uh, but there's a study out of the University of Birmingham that shows that people who had a lifetime of regular exercise, so these were amateur cyclists, um, sl drastically slowed down the effects of aging. They had the same levels of aging, the same immunity, the same muscle mass and cholesterol levels of young people. And these were people in their 50s through 70s, <laughs> just for consistently over time exercising. There's also a study that showed that people who have, who are sedentary, sedentary for 20 years of their lives, so a couple decades, their risk of early death was doubled mm -hmm. compared to people who were active. But there's, there's good news in there. So uh, the good news is that people who started exercising later in life could kind of combat that so that the effects were not so bad. But the bad news is people who had regularly exercised when they were young and stopped lost the benefits of the exercise oh, no. that they had done when they were young. Mm -hmm. So it really is how you finish, which is an interesting principle. So we're talking about uh, not necessarily having to increase cardio rate or or you know is it are we talking both muscular and cardio as far as sort of um, what would qualify for some of these getting even, your heart rate up yeah getting your heart getting rate your up. heart rate up it is recommended 150 minutes per week 150 minutes per and week and if heaven. you're going to go vigorous you could get it down to 75 so if you if you just use moderate exercise it would be 150 if you're going to exercise vigorously, you could trim it down to 75 minutes if you're really on, you know, if, if you don't have time. Hmm. Well, let me ask you a question. Yes. Then. Yeah. I know just from my own experience as a counselor, I know yeah. that um, that 
that our brains are affected yes. by trauma, by stress. stress, and all of that. So Depression. when we're looking at that, that what you were talking about, how is our brain affected in, by exercise? Just as stress can shorten our telomeres, it can also shrink our brains. Mm. Yeah. So uh, depression, stress, any of that negativity actually works to shrink our brain, specifically our hippocampus, which is where we have new learning. And um, that's the bad news, but there's good news. Which is why people who are feeling a lot of stress would say, like, they're at school or something, like, I just feel like I can't focus today. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're, they're being affected in that way. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. People who have experienced trauma have a really hard time. They sit down, they read a book, and they can't remember they can't what remember they've anything. read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing with people with depression. Yeah. They're not able to focus. They're not able to concentrate. They're not able to retain the information. So. Wow. Okay. No, I, I see this a lot at the university. Yeah. Students will come in and they'll say, you know, I sit down, I read the same page three or four times. I'm not taking in okay. any, any yeah. of the information. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I have another study to share with you. Um, this was with older adults, 120 older adults. They split them into two groups. I thought you were about to say 120 years old. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> they split them into two groups. They had half the group do 40 minutes of stretching three times a week where they did not raise their heart rate. They had the other half of the group do uh, brisk walking. That's it. Nothing more strenuous than brisk walking. Uh, Three times a week, 40 minutes. And after a year, they measured their hippocampus. And they saw that the people who had done the stretching, which is great, but they didn't get their heart rate up, they actually lost 1.4% of their hippocampus. So at age 30 and beyond, we, we lose about 1% of our hippocampus every year, unless we do things to negate wow. that. So the people who walked three times a week, 40 minutes at a time, they actually gained 2% volume in their hippocampus, mm. and they increased their memory performance. They gave them some tests on memory. So that's encouraging news right there. Yeah. Um, another buffer for losing hippocampus volume is learning a new language, which our people are doing. Yeah, Yeah. so learning a new language, doing exercise, these are things that can actually increase your hippocampus. You don't want your hippocampus to shrink. Uh, That can lead to dementia and different Mm -hmm. problems as you age. Yeah. Wow, so listen to that, everybody. This thing that you think is so stressful is actually making you healthier. There you Mm -hmm. go. (laughs) And it is so stressful, but it's growing your hippocampus. So keep learning that language. Okay, there are many studies that show that that people who are physically fit actually have better brain structures, better functioning in their brains. Their brains continue to function at the same rate as when they were young. Mm. So that's encouraging news too. There's a study out of Sweden that looked at, so in Sweden, everyone has to go and register when they're 18 for the army. And so they gave them intelligence tests. And so this was looking at men between the ages or between the years they were born between 1950 and 1976. And they found that those there was a high correlation for those who had better cardiovascular fitness and those with a higher IQ, which did not translate to them having um, being stronger necessarily. So it was really about if they had cardiovascular Cardio. fit, fitness. Okay, so this study should be of interest to our teams that are on the field. Hmm. So let's say that you're you're facing some blocks in your thinking. You're just not feeling the creative vibe. 
there is a strong evidence that getting out there and going for a walk, it doesn't even need to be outside, even just walking around the building can increase your creativity by an average of 60%. Wow. So all these meetings that we have where we're sitting around a table mm. are really probably not the best. <laughs> like get up, stand up, go for a walk, walk together as you brainstorm yeah. different ways that you want to do things. That's always my preference. Spending time with somebody in conversation to be doing it. On a walk. Moving, yeah, on a walk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg, so the founder of Apple and the founder of Facebook, they are also known, well, Steve Jobs was known for having walking meetings. Mm. Okay, so we all know that exercise impacts uh, depression and anxiety. Most mm -hmm. people think of that pretty quickly. Actually, most people think of exercise in terms of weight management. Mm. Uh, the bad news with that is that exercise isn't actually that effective in losing weight. Right. So I'm going to suggest that we think of depression as movement toward um, despair, discouragement, disillusionment, loss of vision and purpose. It's essentially a state of hopelessness mm -hmm. when people are moving towards depression and that anxiety is uh, moving towards fear. So I want you to consider that when you exercise, it's actually an act of spiritual warfare. Uh, it's saying no to both hopelessness, what's the point of exercise, and fear. And saying it's actually affirming life and all that life has to offer. Hmm. So very interesting, this past week, there was an article out of Australia that talks about how uh, depression is actually bad for your overall health, which seems like a no-brainer. But the article went on to say that uh, depression and other diseases have a strong comorbidity. They tend to happen together. And for a long time, it was a case of the chicken or the egg, mm -hmm. uh, which one was causing which. And they have determined that actually depression leads to these diseases. So it's kind of like if you have a, a fortress, depression is like pulling the walls down, pulling the gates down, and it's just allowing in all this sickness and disease into your life. So depression is actually a really serious thing. We need to take it seriously. We need to not let it linger in our lives. Um, if you're going into a phase of two weeks or more, you need to talk to somebody, not just let that linger in your life mm. because of what all the bad negative effects that could come as a result. You don't necessarily need to speak to a professional, but you need to talk to somebody about it. Let your uh, pastoral oversight know or your relational caregiver know what's going on with you. Don't just sit on that. That's a very good PSA right there. <laughs> I know that sometimes when people struggle with depression and that hopelessness and that despair, like you said, it's sort of like, what's the point? But what you're saying is there's all the point in the world mm -hmm. to get out and, you know, just, you can do it. You can put one foot in, the, in front of the other and do it. And it's very high likelihood it'll lessen the uh, symptoms, right? Absolutely. Uh, of, of depression. Yeah. yeah that's the powerful. The research is so incredible. There's so many studies that are done showing just how um, exercise is very effective at alleviating depression and keeping it at bay, both of those things. It's just hard to convince that person who's got the executive functioning issue going on that's saying, I, there's no reason to do this. I mm -hmm. don't feel like doing this. There's no reason to do this. 
to get past that thing and, and actually do it. Yeah, it is very hard for people who are depressed to get moving because yeah. they're depressed. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to move. They don't want to do anything. Right. So there's a concept in psychology called behavioral activation where the things that used to give you pleasure and joy, you do them, and it kind of pulls you out of the depression. Fake mm. it until you make it. Yeah, yeah. In a sense. Yeah. yeah, so the things that used to bring you joy, you do them, and it, it just pulls you out. So concerning anxiety, which is another big thing that everyone struggles with, but also people who live overseas, um, when you exercise your hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, that was a big thing to say, uh, your HPA axis releases high levels of the stress hormone cortisol, and exercise actually dampens down that release of cortisol so that your brain is not kind of coated in cortisol just like vinegar would be like on a chicken bone you know it's just eroding it away um, so that means that there's less damage to the neurons in your hippocampus mm -hmm. so and cortisol also um, it affects your immune system it does we need cortisol to live but when the problem is we get too much and then it actually hurts us yeah there's another concept called anxiety sensitivity. So this is a precursor to panic attacks and panic disorder. And what happens is people misinterpret uh, the sensations that they're having as anxiety related. And so what they have found is that people that do some moderate activity or some vigorous exercise, it actually helps them to lower their risk of having panic attacks and panic disorder because they learn, oh, okay, you know, when I run, I have that same feeling of uh, unrest in myself, and I'm okay, and I'm able to keep going. So, Rachel, just a quick question. Um, I'm sitting here thinking about <clears throat> the nature of the type of exercise you're talking about, and, um, and I know people will say, you know, I do yoga, and they'll say that's exercise. Or I know somebody who leads actually an elderly people's stretching class, which you like. I would. I need to stretch. I am so tight, my muscles. I mean, I need to. I need to be more limber or whatever. But uh, really, yoga's great. Stretching exercises are great. But you would say, but the increase of the heart rate in order to have the near, you know, the physiologically, the things released and all of that to, to have these physiological effects, it takes that increased heart rate. So I'm just kind of thinking about the, the listener and myself, uh, not, not discounting yoga or stretching or whatever else, but not having the mindset of, I am exercising. It's more like you're you're stretching or whatever it may be. Preparing to exercise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't want to negate exercise. Um, stretching is very helpful, especially as we get older. We absolutely need to get our muscles stretched out. It makes us healthier, more limber. So I'm not saying that stretching is bad, but in order to have these um, protective effects of exercise, you do need to get your heart rate up. So, Rachel, in light of all these things you've been sharing, what kind of exercise does the best for combating these, um, these issues that, that we're talking about? 
Okay, that's a great question. So my answer is the best kind of exercise you can do is the kind that you're willing to do. <laughs> the kind that you're willing to do, that you enjoy, that you're gonna sustain, that you're gonna keep with you. Uh, you need to do it 150 minutes a week. That's what's recommended. If you're gonna be vigorously exercising, it could be as little as 75 minutes a week. Can I get it all in at once? I was about to ask the same thing because one of my bike rides generally is somewhere in the 90 minutes so range I, and I wondered and that's one ride and I rarely get to ride much more than a, once a week these days. So, I would say this, um, there is research that you could do it once a week and still have the benefits, the longer term benefits, but you're not going to get that release of endorphins and dopamine and serotonin through the rest of your week. You're just going to get it, boom, in one hit. And if you spread it out or if you include more during the week, then you're going to get those feel-good endorphins gotcha. coming yeah. more regularly. So, But if you're pressed for time, the only problem with that, I would think, is if you're a weekend warrior, you could injure yourself more easily. Mm. Thank you for calling me out. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, Rachel, are there any resources you'd recommend for people who are living in locations that not, might not have as much, you know, access to gyms or to personal trainers or even, even the ability to go outside and exercise? Uh, I know that's not even possible for everybody listening today. So what do you recommend? I really think that the sky's the limit for what you can do if you're willing to be creative with exercise. I don't think you need to have a gym. You don't need to be able to go outside. If you just have a very small area, you can even do that. Use your body weight uh, to do the exercises that you want to do. So I can think of a few examples where space was really limited. Um, I read a book called The Resilience, the Science of Mastering Life's Greatest Challenges by Southwick and Charney. And they looked at POWs in Vietnam who just had very small cell space, but they made it a top priority to exercise every single day. And they were in a jail cell. Mm -hmm. And I, I think of an example from my own life. I've traveled many places around the world. Um, once I was in Malawi, Africa, in a hotel, and I didn't want to wake up my roommate, so I went in the little three by three foot bathroom and I just played my music and I danced in that small space. Mm. So if you're willing to be creative, there are ways that you can exercise anywhere in the world that you are. Now, of course, there's so many resources if you have access to the internet. There are workouts on YouTube. Um, you could look up high intensity interval training workouts that give you a whole host of workouts that you can do where you can get in a really vigorous workout in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. All of that can be found on the internet. The possibilities are really endless. Yeah. Sounds like, Rachel, that um, the D word here is the key. Just discipline or just do it, you know. Um, yeah. Just to hear you talk about uh, being in Malawi and choosing to do that, it's obviously like, it's a high value for you. Huge. Yeah, it's a huge value for you, and you're disciplined. You're, you're kind of like, I'm going to do this because I know the benefits of it. Uh, and what are, what are, like, let me not speak for you. You would, I can tell that you would say, I'm going to do it because I know the benefits because you just, you just spelled out study after study that talk about the incredible physical 
benefits and mental benefits and emotional benefits. But what are, what are some of the other things that have caused you to say, I'm going to exercise and therefore you, you know, you're making yourself a more resilient person through doing it? I think the biggest thing for me is I just feel so much better mm -hmm. when I have exercise consistently in my life. I try and exercise every day, but it doesn't always happen. There's some days where I'm just not able to do that. Um, but I try and get in whatever I can because I know it just makes me feel so much better. It helps me manage my stress. I have a very stressful job. Um, mm. It just, it makes me feel better about life. And I know it, it's good for me. Um, before I delved into the research, I didn't realize how good it was for yeah. me. But now that I know, I'm all the more convinced mm -hmm. this is going to be something that I do the rest of my life, mm. you know, as much as I possibly can. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Rachel, as we bring this interview to a close, what's the one thing that, um, that they need to take away from this? I would say get moving. Any movement toward exercise is better than nothing. Uh, the current recommendation for exercise is 150 minutes of moderate exercise per week or 75 minutes of vigorous exercise. More is better, but some is better than none. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. Rachel, we love to end. In fact, we're committed to end every episode of Resiliency with our guest. Uh, just pray in a prayer of blessing and impartation uh, on all of our listeners. And, yeah, we if you could... Pray for us in this area of uh, exercise towards resiliency. What was that title, by the way, that you and I had talked about earlier today? That run for your life. Run for your <laughs> life. There you go. Pray that into, to us, running for our lives. Go for it. Okay. Lord God, I thank you so much that you have given us this gift of exercise. It is such a buffer for the difficult things in life, for the stresses, for the things that come at us. And Lord, I just pray that people would feel encouraged today, mm -hmm. that they would not feel any sense of hopelessness regarding what I've shared, but they would feel encouraged to go ahead and get moving yes. and to adopt some of these things into their lives. So I just pray that blessing over them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Rachel, that was such a gift. Thank you so much for doing the work and then especially for sharing it with us today. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Well, friends, that's it for this week's episode. You've been listening to Resiliency. This episode has been produced by me, Silas West, with help from my co-host, Steve Finley. We are so grateful for the generosity of our guests for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much. We couldn't do it without you. We also want to give a big shout-out to the band Honest Men, who wrote and performed the music in our intro and outro. Special thanks for the voice talent of Sarah Neely, who introduced us at the beginning of the episode. If you liked what you heard, encourage your friends to subscribe and tune in in two weeks from now for the next episode of Resiliency. Resiliency.